that once upon a time amen and we enjoy this freedom that we have and i think that we should not take it for granted amen let's lift our voice this morning and just join in worship i'd love to sing the song power of your love key of f lord i've come to you and let my heart be changed
together in worship there is none like you oh Jesus no one else can touch my heart like you do and I can search for all eternity Lord and find there is none like you Search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Could we sing that again now? Hallelujah. Well, there is none like you. Glory to God. Oh, no one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Oh my, there's none like my Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Could we sing that song together, 10,000 Reasons? I think it's in the key, same key there. Bless the Lord. Let's Let's get in the right key there. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His soul. All oh, this makes me excited, friends. <laughs> oh, sing like never before. 
and it's a new day dawning and it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me
Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. My, what a wonderful atmosphere to be in. Hallelujah. Let's change the order of our service. Musicians, you can play that softly if you like. Man, we're going to mention a few needs here before the Lord. And I'm going to ask Brother Billy Ivy if he would take the time to come up and pray for these needs for us. Amen. If you remember Brother Jeff Jackson in your prayers, he's not with us today. He's running a fever, so we'd like to keep him in our prayers that God would deliver him from that affliction. Also, if you'd remember the uh, McCafferty's in prayer, I have a prayer request here for them. Uh, just uh, getting the look from Brother Ben there. <laughs> not sure, Brother, but you're on the list. We're going to pray for you anyways. Amen. Um, we all need prayer, don't we? Amen. Uh, we're thankful to have Brother Ethan back with us. understand he had an uh, ear infection, and we're just glad he's back with us to worship today. Uh, if you remember the Britons also in prayer, I think they're in South Carolina. There's a note here for that. If you remember the Ward family, they're not with us. I want to keep Brother Tom in our prayers. The situation he had the other day, uh, he's doing all right, but he's got to uh, go through some recovery, so we want to keep him in prayer. And it's good to have the uh, Brother uh, Joseph with us and Sister Frida. It's just good to have you here with us today. And We always keep you in our prayers, Brother, what you both are going through. So I want to remember them in prayer as well. And I uh, have the Florians here on the list, so if you remember the Florian family, um, want to remember Sister Smith in uh, prayer, and uh, also Sister Buchanan in prayer. Amen. Uh, if you remember Brother Aaron in prayer as well, he's not with us today. Uh, he is uh, having to pick up a visiting minister from Zimbabwe, so he is not with us today. If you remember that special need, amen. That's all I have at this time. You have unspoken prayer requests, all the uplifted hands, amen. God knows the needs. Come on, Brother Billy, if you would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, another opportunity to gather in your house and receive what we have need of, Lord. The needs have been read, and we commit them into your hands, Lord, and ask that you would meet them according to your divine will. We pray that you would bless those that aren't able to be here today and that you would meet their needs as well. Those that are traveling, um, different reasons that they can't be here, Lord, you know the reason. Those that are here that are visiting, we ask that you would bless them in a special way. Most importantly, Lord, we commit ourselves and the rest of the service into your hands and ask that you would speak to us by your word and that you would give to us the desires of our hearts according to your will. Bless the minister, bless the music, bless the singing and the worship. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Billy. You may have your seats. I don't mean to keep you standing too long. Amen. Uh, have two specials today. You know, we're going to sing a song as they're making their way. Um, have Brother Mitchell and Brother Noah have a song for us. So I'm going to ask Brother Mitchell to... Uh, Sing his special first, and then we'll have Brother Noah. So uh, as Brother Mitchell is making his way, we'll sing that song together, um, I Just Want to Be Where You Are. Amen. I think he is C, brother. Is that correct? I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. 
I don't want to worship from afar Draw me near to where you are And I just want to be where you are In your dwelling place forever Take me to the place where you are I just want to be with you once again Well, I just want to be where you are Dwelling daily in your presence I don't want to worship from afar Oh, draw me near to where you are Oh, I just want to be where you are In your dwelling place forever Take me to the place where you are Oh, I just want to be with Um, I had this song on my heart uh, for the past few weeks, and uh, so if you know it, just sing it with me. Uh, the choir had done it a while back, so uh, sorry, Sister Laura, for singing a choir song, but uh, I just felt on my heart to sing it, and um, like I said, if you know it, just sing it with me. So when I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. And when I think about the Lord and how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. Now when I think about the Lord And how He saved me How He raised me How He filled me With the Holy Ghost How He healed me To the uttermost And when I think about the Lord And how He picked me up Turn me around How he placed my feet On solid ground It makes me wanna shout Oh hallelujah Thank you Jesus Lord you're worthy Of all of the glory And all of the honor And all of the praise 
and it makes me wanna shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise so when i think about the lord how he saved me how he raised me how he filled me with the holy ghost how he healed me to the uttermost when i think about the lord how he picked me up and turned me around how he placed my feet on solid ground and makes me want to shout oh hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise oh it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise and it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you jesus Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise so now i will bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me so i Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, so I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me so I will bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name cause it makes me shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory 
and all of the honor and all of the praise it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you jesus lord you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise it makes me want to shout oh glory to god makes you want to shout doesn't it hallelujah man his brother noah's getting ready there had a, a letter here from the ann song family um, just expressing their gratitude it states that we are writing to express our sincere gratitude to the pastor and the entire congregation for the love and kindness shown to us last Sunday. And we say thank you, and God richly bless you from the Ansong family. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Amen. Brother Noah. Just so glad to be in the house of the Lord. This is a song I wrote a while ago. Um, it's just been on my heart. I can't remember if I've sung it here or not, but I just hope y'all enjoy it. Though I may drift away, I will never get too far. I know the Lord's with me, He will walk me through the dark. Even though I might be scared, through His Word I have been prepared. He'll be my light so I can see. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, I'll always go back to you. Through my darkest days, I'll learn to give you praise. Lord, I always want to be with you. I cannot see it through faith I will believe it you said if I receive it it is mine it is mine even though I cannot see it through faith I will believe it you said if I receive it it is mine it is mine I try to run, I try to hide, but your love was always by my side. You never let me get too far away, in your arms I will stay. Even though I might be scared, through your word I have been prepared. You'll be my light so I can see. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, 
my darkest days I will learn to give you praise, oh Lord I always want to be with you Amen, appreciate that, Brother Noah Beautiful song, man. Appreciate the talent of God's placed in, in our, the lives of our people, amen. Just give us a blessing, you know. Amen. It's just, it's just wonderful to see young people on fire for God, writing songs, amen, for the Lord. God bless you, Brother Noah. Amen. Appreciate that song that you sang, Brother uh, Mitchell. It was a real blessing. Amen. Man, I believe all hearts and minds are ready for the word. Let's all stand this morning, amen, and I'll ask the deacons if they would come forward and We'll take our morning offering, amen, and you feel free to give as unto the Lord, amen, your tithes and your offerings. Man, maybe we could uh, be prepared to sing the song, uh, I Stand, I Stand in All of You, amen. Deacons, if you'd come forward, amen, to take the morning offering. Hallelujah. Brother Ethan, you could lead us in prayer if you would. Let's sing this song together. You are beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever The depths of your love You are beautiful beyond description Majesty and Oh, just let it ring out now Oh, and I stand, I stand in all of you Yes, I stand, I stand in all of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in all. Sing that again, I stand. Oh, yes, I stand, I stand in all of you as your pastor. stand in all of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in all of you. Once again, and I stand, I stand in all of you. Stand in all. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to bow our hearts, Lord, in your presence. It's always such a blessing to be able to come into the house of the Lord and be with believers, Lord, and brothers and sisters who share a common faith, common belief, Lord, and a common expectation. But Lord, it's just such a greater thing, Lord, to come into your presence, no matter where it is. And Lord, to be able to hear from you and Lord, to have an ear that hears and is sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We want to reserve this time and place for you now, Lord, and come to this part of the service and we give it to you and ask that you would just break the bread of life and fill our cups, Lord, I pray. Father, may the worship continue in the hearts of the people and Lord, may you be glorified in everything that's done. Look at us through the blood of Christ and if in anything, Lord, we have grieved you, I pray that you would forgive us today. Have your way, Lord, among us. Speak to hearts, Lord, and minister to those that are in the process of surrendering their lives to you, Lord. And I just pray that you administer to the sick and those who are needy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen and amen. I'd like to sing that one more time while we have our musicians here. It sounds so nice. I stand, yes, I stand in all of you. You can be seated this morning. We'll let our musicians take their places as well. Thank you. Sounded so nice this morning, so wonderful, and we appreciate the contribution our uh, musicians make. How many appreciate the contribution our, our musicians make? I think they're a true blessing. Well, I want to uh, make a couple of announcements here this morning, so uh, if you will, just uh, bear with me here and uh, catch you up to date on a few things and uh, there's just uh, these days it just seems like there's a lot happening but that's the uh, that's the way life is these days good to have Noah and Joe back uh, we appreciate seeing them good to have the Harveys here with us today and uh, God bless the all the Harveys scattered out in the church here and uh, we appreciate them being with us today um, Good to have Sister Sylvester here. I noticed her coming in. God bless you. This is Brother Mark's mother uh, from Maryland, and uh, we're certainly honored to have her with us. Always enjoy when she comes down. Um, I wanted to say I appreciated the feedback that uh, was given from Wednesday night. Uh, I never expected the feedback from Wednesday night. I do Bible studies every single day in my life, practically. And uh, it's just like second nature. I don't even think about it. I don't even, I don't even give it a second thought. And uh, I was amazed at, at people who said that oh, I had never heard anything like that before, never been taught that before. And I'm really glad uh, that it was a help. And I figure we probably should carry on a little bit and, and do uh, a little bit more because there's obviously more to be had. But um, I appreciate the feedback. If you did not get the email uh, that had the document in it, make sure you let somebody know so that we can... Uh, if you didn't get the email, let me know. But I'm not sure how you'd know if you didn't get the email if you didn't get the email, right? Uh, but I did send out an email that had all those uh, pieces in it, uh, and uh, we'll add to that and, and build up our uh, toolbox so that uh, you can have things to, uh, to work with. 
And so that's, uh, that's, it was uh, a blessing to receive the feedback there. And I realized there was a lot put in there, but uh, it, it will, over time, when you get to use some of that, uh, it, it'll become much easier for you. Now, a uh, couple of uh, activities here, and uh, you're going to have to bear with me because these are not in chronological order, okay? And they're not because I don't know how to move the boxes. Uh, this is... <laughs> This is a can I know how to study the Bible, but I don't know how to move boxes. It's not a click and drag thing here, so I know how to do that. So bear with me here. Financial Peace will start uh, August 6th, and uh, we appreciate Brother Josh getting things ready, and uh, we're all preparing for the uh, group. Got a good group who's uh, going to be taking Financial Peace. And then Brother Trevor Eamon, uh, August 19th and 20th. So it'll be 6 p.m. Saturday night, 2 on Sunday, and we'll have a little uh, fellowship after the evening service on August 19th and 20th. Uh, Brother Trevor was just in Norway, and uh, Rebecca and Caitlin were just there. And uh, he was uh, a great blessing to the people over there in Norway. And so he's really looking forward to come and being with us uh, for the first time uh, in our way. And then uh, Brother, uh, Brother Paula Fontaine and some of his family are going to be coming down for uh, Labor Day. We're going to have two services on Labor Day. We're going to have the picnic on Monday. So we want you to block out that day and we're going to start activities around noon. And uh, you're certainly welcome to come on on uh, that Monday because it's a holiday for everybody. And then uh, Brother Danny Stevens coming October 8th and he'll be here for Sunday for two services. And... Uh, uh, we're certainly looking forward to having uh, Brother Danny with us as well. Let me give you a couple of just a quick images here because I haven't for a little while. And uh, we had a, a thrust where there was a big delivery that went on in the Copper Belt region of Zambia. And this is where people speak Bemba. And we discovered there was a whole raft of people and churches over there, uh, hundreds of churches that had never received any books before. They'd never received any materials. And they were really, really excited uh, to have materials brought to them. And so if you look in the map uh, of Zambia, it's the, the uh, northeast corner. Uh, and there's a lot of people who live there. It's obviously, they do a lot of mining and so forth there. It's a very industrial area. But uh, there's a lot of believers, and so they're just really, really excited to have materials coming to them. We had no idea uh, there was uh, so many believers. So they asked, they said, if you could just duplicate that order, do it again, reprint already. They said, if you reprinted the order just exactly like uh, you brought it, it still wouldn't be enough for the people there to get uh, something new for everybody. So this was a, a truckload that got there and got spread around, and uh, it, it's just amazing how uh, you realize how little uh, is, is actually being delivered when you look at the scope of how many believers there are. We're just excited about that and discovering them. Brother Ranmar is still doing a very consistent work in Pakistan, and I love these pictures of uh, these groups who are, uh, these are people who are learning to read because they're, they're 75% illiterate in the country of Pakistan. The nation is 75% illiterate. And they hold Bible reading classes over there which teach the people actually how to read. So they learn to read using the Bible and the message. And uh, when they graduate from that Bible reading, they, um, uh, they receive their own personal Bible. 
and, and now they're able to take the books and read them and they're very excited about having that. So uh, it's, it's just wonderful to see all of that work going on and we're very thankful to Brother Anwar uh, and his brother and the people who work with him uh, in Pakistan. Friday night we had a youth meeting with Brother Christian uh, and uh, gave his testimony. It had a great turnout and uh, I was not there but I heard good reports and saw some good pictures. So uh, it was uh, really nice to have that uh, feedback uh, coming back from Friday night. Also I think they had a Sunday school gathering through the week here and uh, that looked like it was a whole bunch of fun uh, with, all of, with a bunch of the little kids here. So uh, we appreciate uh, all of that activity that's going on. Now, uh, stay with me. Got a couple of quick uh, more announcements here. But um, Lord willing, Lord willing, after service today, my wife and I are going to try to make another attempt to go to Newfoundland. <laughs> and uh, we, are <laughs> we are determined and if I don't make it on this trip uh, today and tomorrow, I'm never going again. I'm never going to try to go again. Um, but the family wants us to come. And they want Sister Becky to come. And uh, we are, Lord willing, we planned a different route. And we're, we're going to be there uh, tomorrow, like around noon, somewhere around, if, if everything goes well. And uh, so if you don't mind remembers in prayer, I'm already nervous. And... Uh, Imagine, you know, being, me being nervous traveling, but uh, it is the case. I wanted to say also, too, that we're uh, thankful to have Rebecca Ivy with us uh, today. And Rebecca, as you know, experienced, I announced it on Wednesday night, she had a car accident on Wednesday evening. And uh, I don't know all of the details, but I, do, I saw the pictures of both vehicles, and it's just a miracle, really, Rebecca, that... Uh, everyone walked away from that without an injury, and we're so thankful for the hand of God watching over her. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, things happen so quickly today, and it's just, I'm very thankful that you're here today and uh, doing so well. Uh, Sister Kim is here, Brother Tom is not here, and uh, it's a rare thing when Brother Tom is not in church, but we're glad to have Sister Kim. Brother Tom is home, but he's feet up, he's listening, and he's under orders to stay still. And uh, so we're, we're thankful for Brother Tom getting through his ordeal as well. Uh, he was in an accident where he stopped his bus. He was looking for a passenger and couldn't see him and uh, got out of the bus and the bus was not in park. Now, I don't know all of the details, but when he made a run to try to get uh, to his bus, it got away on him and he fell. And the, and the bus, as far as I can understand, the bus traveled, uh, rolled down. And uh, when it did, it landed between two gas tanks. And the van wound up going right between the two of them and, and uh, stopped at the building there. So uh, we're very thankful that uh, the angels of God encamp around about us. That's for sure. We sure are. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, I know some folks uh, were moving yesterday. I won't point out everybody, but... Uh, for those of you that are new here, if you're, if you're moving house, we would love to help. Uh, we, got, we got good young men with good strong backs, and we have pickup trucks, and we have uh, people who are willing to get out there and get this done. But we can't help if we don't know you're moving. So uh, if, you're, if you're in that situation and you need help, you know, we, we'd love to know that because we would love to help. And and uh, make, your, make that job a little bit easier, especially in the, in the heat that we've had, uh, for sure. 
Now, it is my pleasure this morning as well uh, to introduce uh, Brother Wellington to the assembly and his family. They're all here today, and uh, uh, I'm doing this so that everybody catches the names, and we'll have them in the directory, so you'll have them uh, pretty soon there. But this is Brother Wellington. He's from, originally from Zimbabwe. He's lived in the States here now for about 12 years, and uh, he is... Uh, uh, just a real precious brother, and uh, he's well known to lots of people that I know in different parts of the world. And uh, we're just honored to have him uh, with us uh, today. Brother Wellington, just wave your hand if you will. And this is his wife, Sister Tendai. God bless you, sister. And the kids, put up your hand now when I mention your name. Paloma? <laughs> Paloma? Who's Paloma? Right? And Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy, good to have you, buddy. I love that somebody's enthusiastic to be in church here. Jace, where's Jace? God bless you, my brother. And Peyton, where's Peyton? Ah, oh, there he is. Okay. <laughs> God bless you. And also, Brother Wellington's niece, Phyllis, is here, right? Phyllis, good to have you with us as well. So may God bless you. Welcome to HBT. And uh, we're just honored to have you with us. Now, there's a little bit of a reunion going on today from Zimbabwe. Uh, Brother Aaron is not here today. He's at the airport picking up one of the senior ministers who's over here for a couple of weeks visiting. And, and uh, so I think the Zimbabweans are going to get together and uh, have a little fellowship today. So I wish I would be able to, to be there, but... <laughs> Brother Shem, where's Brother Shem? God bless you, Brother Shem. Uh, we will uh, defer to uh, speaking a little bit more about Brother Shem, but he is here also from the Charlotte area and uh, from Zimbabwe as well. Uh, we're honored to have him with us and uh, as a part of our assembly, and we just appreciate him very much. Uh, one of the things that you might want to pray about, his wife is going through an immigration interview in about three weeks, two to three weeks or so. And uh, that will be an important interview for her to be able to come and live over here and join Brother Shem. So uh, we're excited about that, and Brother Shem will certainly be praying for, uh, for her. So God bless you. Let's stand to our feet, and uh, let's take our Bibles, if you will. <clears throat> and I'm going to ask you to hold your Bible, because we're going to read a couple of different places right away. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. This is one of those very short verses that has a lot of meaning for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Let's read it together. Pray without ceasing. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Have your way now among us. We ask in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bible and let's go to 2 Chronicles, if you don't mind. We're going to go back to 2 Chronicles, to a very familiar passage of Scripture here. We've talked about several times, and that is the story of Jehoshaphat. And I'm not going to dwell on the story, because it is familiar pathways for us. But I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about this subject of Righteous assurance. Righteous assurance. And that seems like a little bit of a uh, strange topic, but 
I, I, was, I was talking not last Sunday, but the Sunday before from the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to go back there again. And I want to take a, a, just a couple of verses out of that little chapter, uh, which I think is a very important chapter, and there's all kinds of lessons in it. But I want to go back and refresh our memory on something that's back there. But I want to preamble a little bit before I get there. And uh, it's amazing how that um, this idea of, of righteous assurance is actually a, a, a promise to the believer that we can, be, uh, we can have assurance uh, of, of the presence of God and the help of God in a time of need. And God is faithful. God responds to this idea of uh, your, your confidence in, uh, in, in, in the righteousness and in the position he's brought you to. God's more confident, I think, in where he's brought us to than we are ourselves. Because if I understand the Bible right, God sees us as justified, never having sinned in the first place. So to him, your slate is clean and has always been. Because remember now, your past is in the sea of his forgetfulness, right? Right? You're, everything about your past that you repented for is in the sea of his forgetfulness. And therefore, God basically doesn't see any of it. He does, he's, he's not reminded of your past and your history and your, uh, your wayward ways and all of that. He's not reminded of that at all because he doesn't even see it. It's gone. Thank God it's gone. It's gone in his eyes. And that's really what counts. Because at the end of the day, he's the one who has the final say. And it's gone in his eyes. We remember it. We're shown pictures of it every now and then. Uh, we have reminiscence of our waywardness and our sinfulness and our carnality. We have, uh, we have uh, remembrances of that. We, uh, even, if, even if we try to forget it, other people will bring it up. And uh, it's, it's a thing that kind of is always around. If you had uh, you know, traumatic things that happened in your childhood, you still remember those things. And even though they are literally under the blood, they're still present in your memory because your memory tends to retain everything that you experience in life. Yeah, yeah. And so to us, it, it's not as forgotten as it is with God. But I'm going to assure you that with God, uh, those, are, those things are gone. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. And God sees us as perfect. God sees us as sinless. He sees us, come on, he sees us as the sinless, spotless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. There's no flaw. There's, no, there's nothing held against the bride of Christ. Thank God there's nothing held against the bride of Christ. And that's why even today, uh, you that are, you that are uh, consider yourselves to be born again, if, if something goes wrong or you make a mistake or you offend somebody, what we should do is put it under the blood quickly. Put it where everything else is. Put it in a place where God can't see it. My goodness, that makes sense, doesn't it? We ought to do that. Put it in a place. If you, can, if you can take your sinfulness and put it in a place God can't see it, why wouldn't you do that? These people who are being baptized today, uh, you know, it's a, it's a glorious first step for them to take, every, take their lives and surrender it to Christ, put everything under the blood, and it's gone. Now they walk in newness of life. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It should be a freeing thing for us. To, to, to be in that position. And I think that God has more confidence in that position, uh, in that state that we are in, than even we do ourselves. Because I hear people say every now and then, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm a sinner, I'm, a, I'm not worthy of this, and I'm not worthy of that. Naturally speaking, you're right. But in the eyes of God, you're totally wrong. 
So naturally, we kind of look at ourselves that way. We look in the mirror and say, I'm aging. I don't remember as much as I used to. And I, uh, you know, I don't even see myself as clearly as I used to. And maybe that's a blessing. I don't know. But we, we, we're reminded and people remind us of our, of our frailties and our uh, weaknesses and all of those things. You know, we, uh, we're, we're constantly reminded of that. So we're kind of dragged by the natural uh, realm down into a way of thinking. But that's not God's way of thinking. In the same way that God could look at David and see a king, and God could look at an older man and see a, a person who he uh, saw before the foundation of the world. You know the one he took the photograph of and has it in his filing cabinet? Are you following me? God looks at an older person. God looks at a saint ready to cross over. I, I've seen, uh, you know, I watched my mother was ravaged by cancer. And, uh, you know, just her body was just in a terrible state uh, just before she passed over. Almost unrecognizable. And I looked at her and I thought to myself, I was in the hospital over, overnight. You know, my brothers were all uh, living up there in Canada and working. I went up just to be with mom in uh, the last few days and and uh, when I saw her, I looked at her and I said, you know, no more is this mom. This isn't my mother anymore. That's not, that's not who the real mom is. Mom is in a, uh, mom is, is not that way. Her body has, has become that way, but that's not mom. The real mom is, I believe, reaching towards a kingdom that even though she cannot see, she believes exists and is real. And I, 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 you know, at that point you even pray, you don't want her to prolong uh, this life, living in, uh, on machines and living in a hospital bed and uh, tubes hooked up to her and everything else. You don't want her to prolong that way. Lord, let her touch that kingdom and let her be transported and taken over into that kingdom. Let her step into that body that she really belongs in. That's the way I feel about it. I don't know about you, but that's the way I feel about it. You want to, in a sense, you don't want to let her go, but you want to let her go. You don't want to see them gone, but you want them to be gone out of this uh, painfulness and out of this sickness and out of this, uh, uh, you know, cursed body that she's in uh, and is dying. You, so you, you want them to have the victory of crossing over. But I will tell you something that when God looks at us, he, he looks at us as just an event waiting to happen. He looks at us as, a, uh, you know, these are a, uh, these, this is the bride just ready to step into glory. This is who she is. And I, I think God has great confidence in the place he's brought us to. Yeah, yeah I mean, God has confidence about you and I that uh, is really quite extraordinary because of all the great people who lived in all the ages, God decided to have you cross the finish line. You're the last people, I believe, to get the baton. You're the last people who are uh, going to run with the baton in your hands. And God did not save the greats until the end. He chose you. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. He does. Because we kind of we, we feel like, well, maybe we should have really, realistically, we should have been stuck in the middle somewhere. God says, no, I'm going to take Bill Walters, and I'm going to take Ron Knobloch, and I'm going to take Joe Cockman, and I'm going to put him right at the very end. And all of the race depends on those that finally cross the finish line. I'm going to take the, uh, the people who, uh, you know, were absolutely nothing in themselves, but I'm going I'm to uh, cause them to cross the finish line for the bride of Christ. It's an amazing story. And all I want to tell you this morning, in a very short, simple way, all I want to tell you this morning is that we should not draw back. We should not be reluctant to call on God because of how we feel. 
but we should, we should zealously call on God in a time of need because of his righteousness, because of what he has made us, because of what he has promised us. And not hold back because we think, well, we're less than somebody else or maybe, you know, we've made mistakes. Hey, in this life, as long as you're in this body, we are familiar with making mistakes. And we always will be. So the subject of righteous assurance is kind of, in a sense, is paradoxical, but it means having the assurance in every circumstance because of the position that righteousness has placed us in. And that's a, that's a very wonderful thing. Now, let me give you an example here. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we've used this before. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. Now, the, the, the preamble to this little story is Jehoshaphat has, uh, you know, he's hung around with Ahab and uh, God's rebuked him for that. Good man, had bad friends, and God checked him on that. And uh, that was taken care of in chapter 19. You can read that. And so God says to him, why should you be a friend of the enemy of God? And, and in, in chapter 19, that's the way he describes it. And that's the way he comes to Jehoshaphat. Why, why are you hanging around with an enemy of God? Why would you do that? Good question. Why would you hang around with somebody who lives contrary to the kingdom? Has no mindset at all for the kingdom of God. Why, why are we hang around with a guy like that? And, and that, you can read 19 and that's what, that's what it's about there. But God says, but there's some good things that are found in you. And there's some really good qualities in you. And I, I, I'm mindful of those. And God says, so as a result of that, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to do this and this in your kingdom and so forth. You live long, uh, you know, uh, on the earth. And God makes several promises to him. And then in chapter 20, it opens up where uh, Jehoshaphat's sitting on the throne. And all of a sudden, a messenger runs in. It's just like your phone ringing at night. And the messenger runs in and says, there's an army that's coming against Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. And he describes this army and Jehoshaphat, uh, you know, hearing the news, the Bible says that he feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. The story goes on and he calls all the elders and all the people to come to church, which is a good place to go when calamity strikes. <laughs> you know what? It's even a good place to go before the calamity strikes. It's a good place to go after the calamity strikes. It's a, you know what? It's a good place to go. I'll tell you what. And uh, Jehoshaphat prays and he, and he lays it out before God. It's a beautiful prayer. And he says, Lord, you know, we are the seed of Abraham. He doesn't appeal to God on the basis of, well, we've done this and we've done that. He doesn't do that at all. He says, you made promises to Abraham and we are the seed of Abraham. And so therefore those promises were given to Abraham and his seed in the generations that follow. And we are that people. And we're proud to be identified with that people. But Lord, we're coming to you on that basis. We're not coming because uh, we're somebody. We're not coming because we're HBT. We're not coming because we knew Brother Branham. We're not coming because we got a piece of wood off his floor. We're coming because we believe we've been, we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and we are the bride of Christ. That's why we're coming. And, and so Jehoshaphat prays with the people and then God responds through a, a, a man in the congregation and so forth and gives uh, Jehoshaphat this assurance in verse 12. Uh, this is the prayer in verse 12. Oh, our God... Wilt thou judge, will thou not judge them, our enemies? We have no might against this great company that cometh against us, and neither know we what we do, what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's a, that's a great position to be in. He's being very honest. There's an enemy here that's greater than us, and we have no idea really what to do. What's the best way to deal with this? Lord, I, I, can, I can assure you, he says, as the king, our eyes are upon you. Yeah. 
What a great lesson for us. What a great lesson for all of us. Because you will, as an individual, you will as a family, we will as a church, and we will as a people, we'll come to places where we don't have an answer for what happens. You know, it's only now we're figuring out that nobody really knew what we were doing during the pandemic, right? Everything we believed was not right. Everything we, you know, a lot of things that went on, we, we now would do something differently if we had it all back again, but nobody wants it back again. And there, there, are, there are times in life where you come to, and you can come to very quickly where you don't know what to do. Yeah. And in times like that, do what Jehoshaphat did, just put your eyes on Christ. Put your eyes on him and look at him and wait for him to speak because God by his grace has given you an ability to be able to be sensitive to the Jesus of our day. I said he's given you the ability to hear the voice of God in your day. And that's an extraordinary thing. We have, we have the message in common. We have, uh, you know, the, uh, the beliefs that we have in common. And that's a great thing. But I'll tell you what's even greater is your ability to be able to catch what God is doing in the day he's doing it. That's a really, really important thing. Because Brother Bam said a lot of people will, uh, they'll thank God for what he did do and they'll look forward to what God's going to do, but they fail to hear what God is saying in the present hour. And I believe that today I'm preaching to a group of people that have a sensitivity to what the Holy Spirit's saying in our day. And I think that's a really great thing. And so Jehoshaphat made this his prayer and he said, Lord, oh, I want you to know our eyes are upon you. We're not, we're not looking to, uh, to Google. We're not looking to men. We're not looking to political solutions here. We're not looking to ourselves, but we are looking to you. We have our eyes upon you. And, and whatever you tell us to do, that's what we want to do. And that's the way to pray. Pray neutral and say, uh, you know, I, I'm in a spot. I'm in a pickle here. And I don't know how I got here, but I got here. I don't know the way out. Lord, my eyes are upon you. You should be, you should be saying in your heart right now, Lord, let me do that the next time I come to a spot. Next time I come to a place, Lord, make sure that my eyes are upon thee. And that's what, that's what God wants. God is honored when we do that. And then down in verse 15, when God responds, he said, Hearken all ye Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and now King Jehoshaphat. This is what God says. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, it's God's. The battle is not even yours. But it's God's. So now they're coming to a position where God's telling them, I want you to go out and stand. I want you to go out and be ready to do battle here. But remember now, this is not your battle. But I want you to go out there and stand on the battlefield. And remember this one thing. Don't you be afraid. This is God's battle. And God's not saying that to them because they're really stellar uh, individuals and they've all paid their tithes on time and uh, you know they've never missed a service. He's not doing that. Hey, these are these are Israelites, right? These this is a rough rough group of folks. And, and God's not giving them them because of their conduct. God is giving that uh, promise to them because ye are my chosen people. And I chose you from before the foundation of the world. And that's why I'm making this a promise to you. And so the, uh, uh, the, the, the reality is, is that they can, they can stand in that position that God tells them to stand in because of his righteousness. Because of what he's done. All right? Very simple. Now, Brother Branham says prayer changes things. He said pray without ceasing, which is our text. And if you want to be an indebtedment to this meeting, this convention, he's in paragraph six. 
and he's in a, at the beginning of a revival here. And if you want to be an indebtedment to the, to the meeting, just don't pray. If you want to be the greatest help this meeting can have, it's not financial. Here's the greatest help you can be to this meeting. Set aside an hour or two every day and pray for the meeting. That's the best thing you can do. And go out and visit somebody if the Lord puts them on your heart and bring them in and then pray that God will save them if they're not saved and heal them if they're sick and in need of healing. That's the greatest contribution that you can give to any meeting is to pray and seek God to help in this time of trouble. How many would agree with that? How many would agree with the meeting you came to today? That whenever we, whenever we come together, we should be praying and say, Lord, uh, speak to us because we, we, our eyes are upon thee. In our time, our eyes are upon thee. And every day, our eyes should be upon thee. And, and Brother Branham says again, 1965, the world's in, a, in the most evil age that it ever was. And never in any age did women act like that. And never just before, but just before the destruction of the antediluvian world. And Jesus referred to that. So never before have we seen behavior like we see today, except in the days right imminently before uh, the, the flood. God destroyed the world. That's the only time we ever saw conduct like this. And, and here he is in 1965. We're a long way up the road from 1965. But he's telling us that people are, 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 are acting, they're manifesting the same things that God judged the world for. And God just didn't give a rap on the knuckles. He wiped it off. He absolutely wiped it off. Except Brother Bram said this time God will wipe it off by fire. And that's how he's going to do it. And he says, so that's a warning sign. That's a flashing red light of the sign of his coming. And he says, now, therefore, uh, you need to be making sure you have your eyes on the right thing. It's almost like we can say it this way, that the world is tuned to AM and God's got the bride tuned to FM. Thank God we're tuned to the right station. But it's like they're moving to a different beat. They're moving to a different tempo altogether. They're getting a different message altogether. That's what it's like, isn't it? But God has, God has got your attention because you have that sensitivity to the Christ of your day and you have the ability to hear the voice of God in your day. And so therefore you're moving in a different direction. Your priority is different. You, you live to live clean. We live to live pure. Isn't that right? We live to live in a way that pleases God. That's our desire is to live that way. We live to make sure that we're right with God every day. That's the most important thing. Have I paid my tithes? Have I, have I treated everybody correctly? And as I, as I lay my head down on the, on the pillow at night, have I done everything that I needed to do today? That's the way we live. We live on guard for the right. We live on guard to make sure the wrong doesn't enter in. We live to resist temptation. We live uh, to honor God in all we do. Come on, somebody say amen. That's the goal. That should be the goal of every one of our hearts. That's not the way this world lives. They're moving in a different direction, right? They're surviving. They're, they're thriving financially. They're doing, uh, I was listening yesterday on the radio. They were talking about the economic situation. And they said, there's never been more people on planes. There's never been more people on, in motels and hotels. There's never been more people eating out in restaurants than, in history than there is now. And I can tell you, that's why I'm nervous already. They're getting on the plane tonight because so many things happen. And once it happens, it all, you know, it all blows up and the system's all messed up because every plane you're on these days basically is full. And so if a plane gets canceled, now you got a full plane, all the people trying to get on the next plane, but that plane's full too. And then you, you, the domino effect starts and it's just absolutely amazing how chaotic uh, it can all get. I know that. 
And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a daunting thing. And, and they were saying that all of these things are going on and people are buying and manufacturers are manufacturing and people can't get enough staff and uh, everybody wants everything and they want it right away. And they said a lot of it, almost the majority of it is being financed by credit. It's almost like the money that we saved up during the pandemic and the protections that we had during that time gave the people a feeling that they could purchase. They could just buy. They could just have stuff. And they said when, when that all ended, the, the habits didn't. And now there's no checks coming in the mail from the government. But people are still doing what they were doing before. That's a recipe for disaster, right? And, and we're, living in a, we're living in a time where all of that has taken place and, 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 and the, the, the signs are all there. The, you know, the, the indicators are all there that you just can't sustain that. You can't keep on doing that forever. And, and it's, like, it's almost like they, they live without any sense of impending judgment. They live without any knowledge or awareness or sensitivity to the fact that they're moving very closely towards tribulation. That the next thing for the world is tribulation. And it, 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 like I say, they're tuned to one wavelength and the bride is tuned to the other wavelength and God's got us moving in a different direction. So we're, we're worried about our finances because we want to be good stewards. Yeah. We, we want to we we dress right. We want to act right. We want to live right. I will tell you what, there's a lot of, I was uh, speaking at a camp this week at a, in the mountains and I said it with a capital M and a long M mountains of Virginia. I never knew people lived in places like that in Virginia. I mean, it was just amazing. I, I, got, I got there without, there's no GPS, there's no internet. Hey, I got there though. And they, they wanted me to do a young people's session in the afternoon with uh, kids and, and questions and answers. And I did that. And it was, it was really nice. I enjoyed it. And, and it was really nice to, uh, to be there. But it was just amazing how uh, when, when, the, when the questions came, it was amazing how, and there was a, a group of kids who were there who were newly out of the world. They had come out of the world. They were from Connecticut and New York and different places like that. And uh, it was just amazing how, you know, they're thinking coming out of the world and, and thinking about relationships between boys and girls and their way of doing things. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, the dress and the conduct. I'm not being critical of them. I was commending them because they're in the right place now and God's dealing with their hearts and they're moving in the right direction. I was encouraging them to keep going because uh, they didn't need to be doing decorations with their eyebrows. These are boys doing decorations with their eyebrows and uh, making style, stylistic changes in their I'd never seen things like that. I was, I, was, I was looking at them, listening to them talk, and I was, had my eyes focused on their eyebrows. And I was thinking, can I touch that? Do you mind if I touch that? I've never seen that before. And, and what was amazing was they, they talk about, you know, uh, they, they, had, they had questions about uh, makeup and things like that for men and and all, not, not in the service, but they, this is just in their conversation. It was just absolutely amazing how their minds are actually, all I'm saying is that their minds are, are thinking a certain way. And I, I thought, my, my goodness, at least they're in the right place and beginning to get 
the teaching under adoption that they need to get. And thank God for that late last hour workers. And here they are coming in. I was very excited about that. But I, I, I'm just saying that by God's grace, we're not tuned to that. And I, I would say you need to be careful. You're not tapping your foot to that and professing to be going marching to that. I will say that there's a lot of kids who have questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I find this wherever I go and there's questions that are being asked. There's always questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hey, to me, the teaching on it is very clear. Scripture is very clear. Brother Bram was very clear. But a lot of times, let me tell you, the confusion comes in because kids, kids can live a certain way that is actually grieving the Holy Spirit because of their dress, they're not being taught, or their conduct and not being taught, and their relations with boys and girls and they're not being taught the right way. And as a result, they wind up grieving the Holy Spirit, and then they're wondering, do I have it? Yeah. And they don't know the difference between grieving the Holy Spirit and not having the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. and, and a lot of times, then they're asking questions, well, do I have it or do I not? You know, am I born again or am I not? Do I need to go up again and get it or do I, do I not? And, and a lot of times it's because without being taught, they're not really sure of how they live. They just continue to live the way they were, and they can wind up grieving the Holy Spirit and confused about whether they have it or not. So what I'm saying is that you can, be a, you can actually be a part of the bride, but still tapping your foot to this over here. Because we live in a world where we're all constantly being pulled one way or another. I say, God, give us something inside of our hearts today. Give us something real that's inside of our hearts that, does it, that has less and less of a pull towards that, but a pull towards the kingdom of God. Because this kingdom is coming into more of a reality all the time. And this kingdom ought to be something that's abominable to us all the time. And God, give us the discernment to know the difference and to be able to call things that uh, we should not have anything to do with. Call them very clearly and remove them out of our lives. God, give me the strength to stand over here even if the rest of the world standing over here give me the strength to stand over on this side over here as brother Bram said there's two spirits and one of them is God's Holy Spirit and the other one is the devil's spirit working in deception and the people of the earth now are making their choice and I say it's a great day to make your choice we got two young people here today that have made a choice and I commend them for that because the Holy Spirit is here calling out a bride for Christ he's not calling out uh, you know uh, to, to build another kingdom here on the earth hey this is a bride that's going to leave here on his arm and make it into the other kingdom and sit at the wedding supper with the lamb and Himself. I tell you what, that's an exciting time. But God's wanting you to make a choice. God's wanting you to uh, make your stand and to make that choice very clear. He's absolutely wanting you to do that. Now, let me just, just to save a little bit of time here, I, I want to just capture something here. Brother Branham, he's, uh, he's very uh, honest with us here. And he talks about in this sermon... He said, I'm a temperamental, melancholy sort of a person. He's an Aries. He's a male Aries. And as a result of that, he's, he's truly, he's honest. He's saying, I'm temperamental, emotional, you know, melancholy uh, kind of a person. He says, and I can let myself get away, especially when people are critical of him. And he said, Satan takes advantage of that on me. So in other words, he's born that way, naturally speaking. He had no choice. He didn't get to pick a card out of the rack. He was just born when he was born. But Satan, who watches him, just like he watches you, he takes advantage of that weakness and that sensitivity that's in him and exploits that. 
And he says, I'm one of those people that could break down. He said, if I, matter of fact, he said, I was saying goodbye here. And he said, uh, just so I express myself, I'd probably go to crying. Uh, his emotional. So there's certain things that Brother Branham had to deal, he had to wrestle with because he's called into that position. But when you're called into that position, you, you become a target. And the greater the position, the greater the target. Because the bigger the boat, the bigger the wake. Right? I said, the bigger the boat, the bigger the wake. And so Brother Branham's got a big wake in the world, right? And the enemy knows that if he can stop Brother Branham in some way, he's going to do it in any way he possibly can. And here's an avenue that Satan has, and it's something that Brother Branham carries in the natural. It's not backsliding or anything else. It's not sinfulness. It's just who he is. And, God, and, and, and the enemy puts his finger on that and keeps his finger on that. As long as Brother Bram's in this body, and you'll find him talking about it in 1963 and uh, Uniting Time and Sign, different places. You know, uh, Brother Vale told, told me one time about uh, Brother Branham worrying about getting new hardwood put on his uh, floor because he had a flood in the house. And he said, he said, Brother Vale, I don't know what's gonna, what I'm going to do. It's going to cost $100 to get my whole first floor done in hardwood. And he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have $100 to give, you know. And Brother Vale's looking at him saying, he, and this is paraphrase. Give me a break. There's all kinds of people in the world will pay lots of money to get your floor fixed. Don't, don't be worrying about that. But Brother Bram's nature was he worried about that and being melancholy and being temperamental. He's, he worried about that and what, what will happen and I won't be able to get this done, that done there. In reality, he didn't have anything to worry about. But the devil made him think that way because he's got a personality that way, that's wired that way. Come on, folks. How many of you have a personality that's got a few quirks or a little few cavities and a few, a few blips in the, in the process here? It's not because you're backslidden. It's just that you've got to keep your guard up because Satan's going to work on that and he's going to make you feel this or that. And people don't love me. And the pastor didn't shake my hand and, uh, you know, uh, this and that. And uh, Brother Barry came out after church when he shook that person's hand, but he didn't shake my hand. And, and you go home and think, well, you know, maybe Brother Barry doesn't really like me after all. I got I to gotta tell this. Sorry, Sister Megan. I got I to gotta tell this. I, she was at the, in the fellowship hall the other night, and Mitchell was working last, last Sunday. And I just came up to her with my normal, friendly face. <laughs> and I didn't realize that she might have not recognized my normal, friendly face. And I said, where's your backslidden husband? <laughs> That's all I said to her. Didn't even dawn on me that she would might take that wrong or not really know. I had to go through the back channels and get an apology through, and Mitchell helped me out and took care of it. She's still here. Thank God she's still here. <clears throat> well, that's a quirk. You got to blame that on my father. My father was that way. He could he could insult you, and you never even knew he was insulting you. I mean, he was just he was just so straight faced in everything he said, humorous and just in a weird way, and. Uh, but, but that's, that's just the way it is. Satan will take advantage of things like that. And you've got to make sure you keep your, 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 yourself covered. Because as long as we're in these bodies, Satan's going to exploit that. He's sure going to do that. So that's why Brother Branham says all kinds of songs out here and jazz music. He says you can't even go into a restaurant and eat without that stuff going on. It's a shame. And he said, I go in, I, I see it. He said, I turn around, I want to get out. And that kind of stuff leads down to destruction. There's things that Satan will put in your path that inherently are not uh, so much evil themselves, but they will lead to something. 
I, I can't help but think that, you know, like Brother Branham in his day, he talked about bowling alleys. And bowling alleys were places where people went to do certain things that they didn't do in other places. That's the way, uh, way I grew up. And he identified that, not so much that, uh, you know, you're an evil person, but, but there's certain environments or certain places that you can go and it'll lead to something else. I think movie theaters is one of those places. Uh, forgive me here. I'm old. I can rant a little. But, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I just, I'll throw this out and I'll move on. But I'm just going to say that Satan did a backflip on a backflip with this one. Because you remember, Brother Branham, he said that Satan, uh, he, he said when, when the movie theaters came, originally came, and, and, and ministers condemned it, Satan did a backflip and put TV in the house. And, and now people didn't have to go to the theater, they could watch it in their house, Right? And then another flip came, and if you don't have a TV in your house, then you could have it on your phone. Right? But here's the other backflip. The other backflip is that people feel like, well, I watch it here and there, and I have it on my phone, so I might as well go back to the theater. What is it about the theater that Satan wants everybody to go to? Tell me that. What is it that Satan's trying to do to get people back in theaters again? I'll tell you why, because it, there's an atmosphere, and you might say, oh, brother, this, I think they're showing deep, call it the deep, so that's why I'm going to the theater tonight. <clears throat> but I will tell you what, there are things that take place, or things that are shown in theaters, that are not always the best thing, and spirits tend to linger. Like, Brother Branham never liked to preach in auditoriums, because he said, Spirits linger in those auditoriums. And they had to work through those spirits in order to get, have a real breakthrough in the meetings, right? And he said sports events and boxing and different things like that. And, and so Brother Bam, he, he said it was so different to be in the church than it was to be in an auditorium because all these other things take place in an auditorium. And you know what? If, if the spirit left when the people left, it'd be all right. But spirits tend to linger. Hey, folks, don't kid yourself. Don't get silent on me here. Brother Branham walked out of a hotel room one time because he said, I'm not staying in this room because somebody committed adultery in here last night. Now, if, if, the, if the spirit left when the people left, Brother Branham wouldn't have been able to pick that up. But there's something about a lingering spirit that's there. So now, you know, people get in theaters and they say, oh, it's all right. We're just watching cartoons here and uh, it's all right. But there's a lingering spirit there because there's not always cartoons that are there. And all the cartoons are not always very edifying and wholesome. Am I stepping on anybody's toes? I'm not trying to at all. But you're all of a sudden getting meekly quiet there. Let me say, let me say like we did out of Nehemiah last week, it's good to get all the rubbish out of the way because the burden bearers got a burden to carry and they're trying to bring something down the road, but there's rubbish in the way. And I say, let's get the rubbish out of the way and let the burden bearers come with the word of the hour. I'm just, I'm just saying what he says, that he, here he is talking about jazz music, and he says, which is a powerful thing and not a very edifying thing, and he says that kind of stuff leads to destruction. The devil is in that thing, and it'll finally pull you into it, shun the very appearance of evil. Now you're going to say I'm a holy roller, sure enough, but I'm telling you, brother, I'm warning you to keep away from all things that pertain to sin. I'll roll on. I promised you I'd roll on. 
Let me roll on and say this. Every word of God is pure, the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 30. Every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Watch this for a moment here. Every word of God is pure. That word in the Hebrew means that it's been refined. It's been tested. Every bit of impurity and weakness uh, and foreign material has been burnt out. It's been processed out. And you're left with just a pure thing. I had uh, one of my wife's relatives ran a a company that fixed parts for the great big heavy-duty mining machines up in West Virginia. And uh, he was in the supply and repair end of things. And they would bring him a broken crankshaft or a lifter arm or something like that and bring it into his shop, be all cracked and broken. And he said, "We we would take that old piece and we would model or fashion a new piece out of our materials and we would smelt it and you know right from the smelting portion all the way down to the finished product and he said it looked great he said it was it, it looked like a brand new piece it looks nice and strong but he said we never just accepted by face value that it was strong he said then we would put it onto a machine and we would test it and then we would put it onto a bigger machine and test it even further and we pushed that thing to the breaking point because we wanted to know whether that thing was really refined or not whether it was really pure because if there's any impurities in it or if there's any uh, you know stones or whatever else in the, in the material itself then that becomes a, a break point and he said we had to put it under extreme pressure in order to make sure that it was absolutely pure That's what this word means, that every word of God has already been tested. It's already been purified. Everything's been taken out. There is no doubt. There is no question. It will work. It's going to hold. There's no doubt about it. It's something you can take to the bank. It is absolutely pure, and he's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So when you put your trust in God, you know that you're standing behind an invincible power. You're standing behind an invincible God. Come on, somebody say amen. You're standing behind a God that does not fail. He's not going to buckle under pressure. He's not going to fold because of the crowd. He's not going to run away because of the darkness. He's not intimidated by the voice of the enemy. He's going to stand there. His word is pure. Now, in the Old Testament, that's what it says. And Peter comes along in 2 Peter, and he says, For so... An entrance shall be ministered, which means furnished, unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the last day, there will come a people in in the last age who will have an entrance ministered unto them. And the, the entrance here in the bottom definition is both the place or the way that leads to a place. So we we can we often say, um, when we go into a, maybe you go into a big house or you go into a building and you can say, I'm in the entryway. And that means that we're in the place that gets me to the place I want to go, but I'm not fully there yet, but you know what? I'm on the way. And and what, what Peter is promising us here is that when it comes to the way in, don't you worry, that'll be furnished for you. That'll be provided. If you died today, would you know where to go? I've often thought about that, and I don't know why I think about that. But believers, when they pass away, they never stop just before they cross over to the other side and say, oh, by the way, anybody know where I'm supposed to go? 
I've never heard anybody say that. I've stood by the bedside of lots of people, and they've never said, oh, whoa, can you look up where I'm supposed to go? I will tell you this, if you've got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost knows where his own house is, and he'll get you there. But you know what? In the entryway, on the way to that place, it'll be furnished for you the way to go. It'll be, told, it'll be given to you. You don't need to figure it out yourself. But Daniel, you don't, need to, you don't need to look it up, Google it. You don't need to figure out, well, how do, I, how do I get, you know, what's the right direction to heaven? Hey, God's already made that very clear. He's given us a message, and the message contains raptoring faith. You know that? God's given us a way, and we're thankful for that way. And, and he says, I'll, I'll furnish that for you. I'll take care of that. I'll give that. But look at what Brother Branham says. In 1959, he said, God tests, period. God's word is pure. It's been tested. And God tests. How many would agree? God tests. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. If you're married. All right, well, let's go on. Like Job, they accused him that he was a secret sinner. And Job was righteous. And there was no man on earth like him. And yet God let the devil take everything that he had. Here are people that are coming to comfort him. But their assumption is, is that Job, you're not righteous. There's got to be a secret sin somewhere. You ever heard that? There's an assumption that there's darkness in your life, there's sin in your life somewhere. And this is what they did uh, in the process of trying to comfort him. But Job was righteous because God had said so. God, God called him a perfect man, right? Perfect and upright. And, and when they accused him of being a secret sinner, he knew, he knew he was righteous before God. He knew he had done no sin. But God lets those things happen to see what you'll do. Why? Because God tests. Does that make sense to you now? God tests. And in the testing process, it'll usually come by words. It'll come by people. And it will come in a way that uh, gets your attention. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll cause you to think. And, and, and sometimes those things that you hear are absolutely false or absolutely untrue. And God lets it sit right there. And he's looking at your reaction. He's looking for this Job type of reaction. And the Job reaction was, is that at the end of the argument and at the end of these guys being there and everything else, Job stands there and he still wants to hear from God because his eyes are on God. His eyes are not on what everybody else is saying. His eyes are not on his circumstances. He just needs to know that, you know, whatever God says, whatever God wants me to do and whatever God determines, that's what matters. The rest of this stuff doesn't matter. That's what matters. And God's not afraid to put you through a test to see what you're going to do. What are you going to jump and run? What are you going to to fold the book? What are you going to, you know, take your message books and put them at the front door of the church and walk away? Hey, there are things that are going to happen in your life that you don't understand. There are things that are going to happen to you and around you and with people you love that you don't always understand and you don't have answers for. And there's things that are going to happen to you that your pastor doesn't have an answer for. There are things that are going to happen to you that only eternity will ever explain what that was all about. But I will tell you, God's not afraid to test. God's not afraid to run you through the ringer and and to see what your reaction truly is going to be. God's not afraid to do that. Now, again, now I'm skipping because I want to go to this over here. First John, this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, 
who was of the wicked one, slew his brother. And wherefore did he slew him? Because his own works were evil. But his brothers were righteous. So the works of Abel were righteous. And I love the definition of this word here. Hold on to it. The first is a general sense of the, the word. It means to be upright, virtuous, and keeping the commands of God. Now, you can be a person raised in church and know your Bible and be a good, sincere person who tries and be upright, virtuous, and keep the commandments of, commands of God. You don't have any tattoos. You got your hair cut right. Girls never cut your hair. Never wore a slit in your dress ever before. And you know what? You're keeping the commandments of God. But the second part of this definition is really great. It is used, the word is used of him whose way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God and who therefore needs no rectification, no rectifying in the harder life, only Christ. Look at it again. I'm almost done here, folks. Look at it again. To say that Cain's works were unrighteous or evil and his brothers were righteous means that that Abel had a way of thinking, feeling, and acting which was absolutely in harmony with the will of God. And you know what? If he died, there need to be no rectifying for for Abel. As a matter of fact, probably happened pretty quickly because he's offering something he's accepted by God and Abel's uh, Abel's accepting something or offering something and he's accepted by God. Cain's offering something and he's wroth. The Bible says that he's angry. He's wroth. And, and, And he probably picks up a stone, which would have been the weapon of choice back then. There was no Detroit. So he picks up a, a rock and, and knocks Abel in the head probably. We don't know. But, but there's no time to rectify. There's no time to make things right. But you know what? Abel didn't need to. I said, Abel, I mean, God's not going to let you go if there's things that you need to be making right. In a simple way of saying it. But, but a person who is truly righteous before God doesn't need that in their heart and life, because they're, they're living for Christ. Their whole way of thinking, their whole, everything I do is, is based on, on the scripture. It's based on the word of God. And, and you know what? I, I may not be perfect. I may not get it all always right. But, but that's my heart's cry. That's my heart's desire. Lord, I, I, I want to I make that my life goal. I want to think, feel, and act completely in harmony with the will of God. I will tell you, young people, you watch God bless your life when, when, you, when you make that vow to yourself and say, Lord, I want to think, feel, and act in a way that's perfectly in harmony with the will of God. I, I'm not going to get my sights on getting married before I'm 18. I'm not going to get my sights on uh, making a bunch of money here or do this. That's all good. I mean, we want, we, you know, people get married and people have careers and people go to college. I have nothing against it. Did all of that myself and got the kids to prove it. But I will tell you something. When, like I said on Wednesday night, if, if this is me and this is God and anything comes between me and God, it's an idol. It doesn't belong there. So you have to make sure that what you're pursuing and what you're after is not something that, that blocks you, blocks the path between you and God or God and you. Yeah. And you got to make sure that that way is clear. Yeah. 
And, and that's, that's, what, that's what this definition, definition is, that, that Abel's offering was righteous because you know what? He had a revelation from God, what God required, and he went ahead and did that. His actions lined up with his revelation. His, his thinking lined up with God's revelation. And it doesn't need to be any rectifying before he dies. Hey, he can die in an instant by a rock, and you know what? He's still okay in the presence of God. And he's not under the blood of Christ. He's under the blood of a lamb that he just killed on the altar there and put his hands on it. And he's got bloody hands. And you know what? He satisfied the requirements of God because that was what was God was after back in that day. And you know what? He goes right into the presence of God. And I say this, if you and I claim to be born again and under the message of the hour, under the last day's messenger, and we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'd say we should wake up every day and say, Lord, let me think, feel, and act in a way that's completely in harmony with the revealed word of this hour. And Lord, if I died today, I'd be ready to walk right in. I wouldn't need to go back and make things right. If you need to make things right, you ought to go do it. You ought to do it quickly. You ought to have things in your life that ought not to be there. You ought to act on that very quickly. Because we don't know. We live in a world where we don't know. Now let me go back to what I originally talked about in Nehemiah chapter 4. And uh, you can look at it in your Bible if you like, but I got a couple of verses here. And uh, it says, as you remember from two weeks ago, and I looked and rose up, this is Nehemiah, and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. They got enemies. They're, they're commissioned by God. They're, they're doing the will of God and they're building the wall and uh, they have enemies. They have enemies that are conspiring against them. They have enemies that are shouting at them. They have enemies that are, uh, you know, doing everything they can to subvert the work, try to discourage the workers. They're, they're doing everything they can to cause distraction in their lives. And there's threats and there's problems. Uh, you know, they're, they're stopping the food trucks from coming in, uh, you know, where, where the workers are. I mean, they're doing whatever they can. And, and you know, what, big or small, they're doing whatever they can. And Nehemiah gets up and he says to them, be not afraid of them and remember the Lord, which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Remember the original commission. The commission was, is that we're here to build a wall. We're here to restore and to restore the stones. That's what we're here to do. And in the time of trouble and in the time of pressure here, he says, I want you to do this one thing. You remember the Lord and remember that our God is terrible in battle and he, he's, he's one to reckon with and he's on our side. So you stand there and fight for your family and fight for your daughters and fight for your sons and fight for the cause and fight for the thing that's right. Go ahead and do that and stand for those things that are right. Because he said, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known to us and God had brought their counsel to naught, that God had messed up their plans, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one of us to his work. And it came to pass in that time forth that half of the servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both spears and shields and bows. So you were either building or you were defending, one or the other. You're either, you're either in the process of restoring the stones there or you're defending those that are doing it. One or the other. There was no other occupation back in that day. Yeah. And the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They were unified in this process. I say in a church like this, we should be also occupying the same kinds of positions here. We're either building up and edifying or we're defending those who are doing it. Amen. That's what we should be doing. Therefore, gossip doesn't fit. And criticism doesn't fit. 
And politics doesn't fit. And I've got the bigger church doesn't fit. And I got the better ministry doesn't fit. And all that, all that trash in the road doesn't fit. We should either be building one another up or defending those that are doing it. We should not be critical of one another. We should not be critical even of people outside. We should not be, well, you know, we got a better church than that or whatever else. Hey, that should not be on our lips. That should not be something we occupy our minds with. We got a job to do. We are, our commission is very clear. Our commission is to get to the point where God's going to change our bodies and take us out of here in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I got a hard enough job doing that, and I bet you you got a hard enough job doing that as well. And you know what? The best thing I can do is encourage you along your path and trust that you'll do the same for me. You need what I've got, and I need what you've got, as we're all going together. And let me tell you, if one of us lags behind, we need to get under that person and hold them up. We need to support that person in prayer. We need to pray without ceasing for situations that arise in the church. We need to do that because we're all going to go together, and nobody's got a nobody's got a corner. Nobody's got a monopoly on getting in ahead of someone else. It's not because you've been around the message a long time. Are you hearing me this morning? I believe, saints of God, we either ought to be doing one or the other. We ought to be either edifying and building up. You should be the one that's laying stones in the place and restoring stones, bringing the word, teaching Sunday school, singing a song, working on behalf of the body, believing the body, paying your tithes, or you should be defending those that are doing it. And when someone does right, we should be right behind it. Somebody sings a special, we should be right behind it, patting them on the back. We should be thanking God for the blessing. Whether choir sings or whether, uh, you know, I, I appreciate a lot of times we don't even acknowledge really because it's uh, kind of a common thing for us. I appreciate what those people do in the back down there and, and make sure that uh, everybody can hear. And then you can hear it again if you want to. And you can hear it wherever you want to go. You can hear it on your phone or your, or your house or whatever else. And there's people here uh, like Sister Sherry Holly or Sister Karen Buchanan and different ones that are not able to come to church at the moment here, but they're very much plugged in and in tune here uh, to the service. To me, they're ones who are also laboring as well. They're doing everything they can within their power, uh, you know, to believe, to trust God and to walk this walk under very trying circumstances. And uh, you know what? I think we should be defending them with all of our heart. We should be encouraging them. I got brother and sister Smith. And I'll say, I thank God for the rentals down here that went down this week, brought them a, a seals book, brought them uh, the notes we had on Wednesday night and uh, old Lincolnton down there as well and, and helping them do some yard work and things like that. Let me tell you, we either should be, we either should be doing what's edifying or defending those that are doing it. Amen. It's not just a mental process. It's a real thing. And this is what Nehemiah found. He says, look, when you get into a spot, God doesn't always show up on your timetable. God doesn't always show up when there's a hint of trouble. He doesn't always show up when there's just a wisp of smoke. Sometimes God will let you go right through it, right through it, until you, you realize, there's, hey, I've only got one chance, and that is if God moves on the scene. Let me tell you something. I don't know if I've ever told you before. <clears throat> we were living in Ohio, and I was pastoring a church up there. And I knew from a long ways uh, before, I knew it was time to go. I knew it was time to leave. And there's a whole bunch of things that go with that. But I knew it was time to leave. I was just trying to figure out how in the world do you do that. And I was trying to leave. 
And one day, my wife and I, we were traveling. We were planning to travel out to Arizona is where we were going. And uh, <clears throat> the boys, young boys, had all gone down to uh, be with their grandparents in Virginia. And uh, we had Lucas, because Lucas was a wee lad back then. So this is back 20-odd years ago. It was in the 1990s. And <clears throat> I had to go take the dog to the kennel. Crazy dog. And the dog got away on me. And I heard the dog. It was Peter's dog. And I heard the dog running. It was a beagle. And he just took off because he knew what was coming. He knew he was going to be in the kennel. And I could hear him, ho, 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 running over the hills. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and I, I got a plane to catch. And here, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning, and I hear the dog running over the hills of Ohio. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for answering prayer and taking care of our dog. <laughs> Lo and behold, somebody got the dog and actually brought him back. And then we put him in the kennel and went on. Anyway, I was delayed going back. But when I, when I went back, uh, <clears throat> I, I, drove, I drove into our house. And this is, uh, this is a scene that I'll never forget. And I, I remember driving up the lane. I was just coming down the, the little country road. And I turned on our dirt road and, and drove up and made a big open field. And I remember... with. The scene is still very vivid in my mind. I remember Sister Becky standing out in the yard, and she has Lucas in her arms, and she's just screaming at the top of her lungs, and she said, it's, it's all on fire. The house is all on fire. And I, I, I it's, you, you know, something like that, you're not expecting that, and you've got to let that register in your mind. And I put my foot to the metal drove in really quickly and I jumped out of the vehicle and I said, are you okay? And she said, yes, we're okay. And I ran inside the house. And when I ran inside the house, the whole kitchen was all engulfed in flames. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, the stove was arcing. That's where the fire had started. And the stove was arcing because the whole top of the stove had melted and it was just the two plates that are there, the wires are connected to. And it was just arcing back and forth like that. And I thought, well, the whole thing's going to go up. And I, I, you know, the wall was on fire and the ceiling was on fire and everything else. And I was just thinking, this is unbelievable. And I could hardly breathe. I could hardly see because of the, the thickness of the smoke and the, the black smoke because the plastic stuff all melts and when, when the fire starts like that. And the heat was extreme in the house. So I ran downstairs, hit the breaker and turned the stove off and came back up. And when I came back up, not ever having been in my own house fire before, I ran over and thought, well, if I could just open the window a crack, maybe I'd let the smoke out. Which is the absolute wrongest thing you can do in a situation like that because the oxygen fed the fire and the fire took off. And normally a house fire will double every 30 seconds. The size of a fire will double every 30 seconds. And so I was laying there in the middle of that and I had a water hose. I dragged in a water hose from outside, and I was using the water hose to try to put the fire out. This is my house. I'm figuring the whole thing's going to go down, and if I don't move quickly here, it's all going to come down on me. 
and I was spraying away and I, it would, the smoke became so bad in the house because now there's water on it and it was, smoke was burning my eyes. I had to crouch down behind the cabinet and just kind of lay right next to the floor. And I'm just thinking, what's my next move? What's my next move? And I, I'm thinking, what should I do here? And the fireman, believe it or not, the fireman came down the road and missed our house and kept going. And my wife was hollering at him and so forth, and finally they got their attention, and the firemen come back. But before the firemen entered the house, I was laying there on the ground practically by the cabinets like this. And all of a sudden, and this is one of the only times it ever happened in my life. I can tell you it's the only, maybe one other time that it happened, but this one time was very clear. There was a voice that spoke to me at that moment and said, what else do I have to do? That's all that voice told me. What else do I have to do? In order to get your attention, buddy, what do you want me to do next? Time for you to go. And I knew. And they, by God's grace, the firemen came in. They got it all out, and everybody was okay. And, and they rebuilt the house. The insurance rebuilt the house. It was beautiful when they rebuilt it, much nicer than when we built it. Much nicer, it was beautiful. But I knew it was, it was over. I knew it was time to go. I didn't want to have to go another level with God. I didn't want to have to go and see somebody injured or something like that. I, Lord, if that's you, and I believe that that was you. Because I was not thinking, Lord, what would you want me to do in times like this? I, I wasn't thinking of the seven seals or you know, what Bible verse applies to this. I wasn't thinking of that at all. I just, I, my mind was completely on survival. You're just, you're just kicking that fight or flight mode and you're just in survival mode. And... Then this voice speaks over the top of all of that commotion. God, didn't, God doesn't always show up at the first whiff of smoke. God doesn't always come when you first sense trouble. God does not always appear when you feel like things are not quite the way they should be. Many times God will allow things to go on to see what you're going to do and to see whether you're going to remember the Lord because he's strong and terrible in battle. And, and you know what? He'll fight for you. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. But he wants to see what you're going to do in the midst of that. He wants to see whether you're going to turn to him and be assured that you can call on him, not because of your righteousness, but because of his righteousness. And this is what Nehemiah told the people on the wall. Hey, we're in the middle of a battle. And you know what? There's a lot to do here. And there's a lot at stake here. But I want you to know that there are people here who are building and there are people here who are defending the builders and that's what we ought to be doing. And he says, you just stay at that. And he says, we're even separated on the wall. We're spread out. And he said, what I want you to do is when you build, put a brick on and hold a sword in your hand and put mortar on that. Put another brick on there, but keep your sword in your hand because this is a battle. This is truly a battle. It's not something that's pleasant and it's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. This is a true battle that we're in. And Nehemiah encourages the people, the very best resource you have it's not money, and it's not more workers, and, and it's not, uh, you know, peace in the land or anything else. The best thing you can do is keep your eyes on God. That's what he says right here. Be not afraid of them, but remember the Lord. No matter what you're doing and no matter what the circumstances are, remember the Lord. It seems really elementary for me to have to preach on that today and say that. But I felt very strongly to, to do that just to remind ourselves because it's good for us to remember the Lord. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter when God shows up, because he wants you to remember him because the battle is not yours, it's his. 
And you just got to make sure you're actively giving it to him and just handing it over to him and realizing I have, I have victory because of him, not because of me. I have confidence, not because of me, but because of him. I have ability. I have strength. I have, I have an overcoming spirit here, not because of me, but because of him and what he's promised me. I'm not standing in my own actions and my own conduct here. I'm not standing because uh, we have more than 50 people in the church. That's not why we're standing. We're standing here because the blood of Jesus Christ has made us accepted in the beloved. And that's God's decision. That's God's way. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And we need to rest in that. And this is what he tells the people here. He says, be not afraid of them. You'll have enemies. We'll have enemies more identifiable before we leave here. We'll have more enemies that are more obvious before we leave here. I think those enemies are already forming in the earth. And I believe that God is winding this thing up here. And I'll tell you what, I believe, like, like I said several months ago, I believe the whole thing is winding up to where God wants us to take the last steps by faith. And it will bring us to the edge of impossible and then say, come on, take another step. And when you do it, just remember the Lord. Because God will make a way where there is no way. Let's stand to our feet and let's just sing and worship him for a little while. I think God is good. I want to give you one last verse here. In the book of Nahum, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Our God knows them that trust in him. He knows those that lean upon him and call upon him. I'm glad we serve a God like that. Aren't you glad for that? The Lord is good. Say it with me. The Lord is good. Say it again with, with enthusiasm. The Lord is good. He's good. His word is tried. His word is pure. His word doesn't have any impurities in it at all. It's got no shadows or any, anything that's like dross or anything that needs to be burned out. Hey, his word is good. Take his word. Take it every day. Believe it. Rest on it. God is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. If you've never figured it out, we're moving into a day of trouble like the world has never seen. And I will tell you this, saints of God. It may seem like a simple thing, but I think it'll become a very useful thing for us to make sure that we lean upon him and realize the very best thing we can do is remember the Lord like Nehemiah told the people and walk in his shadow, walk in his footsteps. I'll tell you what, I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. Now, <clears throat> let's sing that little chorus just to begin here. He's got it all under control. He's got it all under control. I believe that our God has it all under control. Let's sing it this morning here. He's got it all in control. God's got it all in control. And he puts that reassurance way down in my soul. He's got it all.
slip out and uh, get ready for the baptism this morning and uh, Lucas Walters is going to be baptized he's already slipped out there I think and getting ready uh, so we're excited for Lucas giving his heart to the Lord and going to uh, be baptized this morning and also Sophie Cockman is going to be rebaptized this morning so we're glad for Sophie if there is anybody else here this morning who's never surrendered your life to Christ there's never been a better day than today to give your heart to Christ to look to Him. Today is a great day. <clears throat> Let's sing this little chorus. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. I think it's C. We play it in. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Jaron. May God bless you. If you don't mind, remember us in prayer over the next 24 hours. And uh, uh, Lord willing, we'll be back on Saturday and uh, be back again with you. God bless you. He is here. Give him a good hand of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. We just want to continue to labor in the, the will of God, building that wall. Amen. Back in our lives, restoring our worship and fellowship with God. Amen. Let's sing a song together as they're getting ready for the baptism. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. 
Well, I pledge allegiance to the land with all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor his command, and I pledge allegiance Christians long ago will be brought before a tyrant's throne, and they were told that he would spare their lives if they would renounce the name of Christ. But The Son of God Will they would not deny And like a great angelic choir sing I can almost hear Their voices ring Well I pledge allegiance With all my strength, with all I am, and I will seek to honor His command. Well, I pledge allegiance to the land, and now the year have come oh and the years have gone but the cause of Jesus well it still goes on and now our time has come to count the cost we'll reject this world and embrace the cross that trumpet sounds glory on that final day so let us proudly stand and boldly say well I pledge come on raise your hands and worship just to the land with all my
you let us pledge our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing the song. Here I am to worship. We fall down. We fall down. Let's get in the key of C, I think. We fall down and we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus. Well, the greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, 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 yes, we cry, holy, 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 and we cry, holy, 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 this on his own and uh, not because of a crowd of people doing it but he just wanted to make this stand by himself and we're excited to witness that and to uh, pray with him that the Holy Spirit will take his life and uh, use him for his glory and fill him with his Holy Spirit because uh, that's what God loves to do. He loves to see a sheep come back to the fold. Amen. Heavenly Father we commit Lucas now into your hands and pray that you would take him as a yielded vessel Lord that he might just present himself a living sacrifice before you. And Lord, you would fill him with your Holy Spirit and that you would uh, guide him, Lord, in the steps, Lord, that he should take. And I pray that he would walk in newness of life, Lord, that that life on the inside would begin to grow and transform him into a real son of God reflecting Christ to this world. I commit him into your hands now, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Give me your right hand there. Lucas, based on your desire to walk in obedience to the commandments of Scripture, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Sophie is going to come, and <clears throat> Sophie was baptized a few years ago. And uh, she told me that as she grew a little bit older and uh, became aware of things more, decided to make a firm recommitment to the Lord Jesus. And uh, Brother Branham says he did this many times, he baptized many people over again. And uh, he said, I'm glad to do it. And uh, he said it was a good thing because sometimes he said young people, they do it because they know it's right, but never really felt like they made a heart commitment. And so today we're trusting that the Lord will take Sophie at her word and uh, use her uh, for the glory of God and uh, cause her to grow in grace and in knowledge in a way that she's never experienced before in her life. And so you pray that God will uh, accept this sacrifice today. And that's exactly what this is. It's a sacrifice. I laid down life. And now she puts herself in God's hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give me this one. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, Lord, with all of these witnesses, 
We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would take Sophie Cockman, Lord, take her into your hands now. And I pray, dear God, you would water that seed and just cause her to grow in grace and in knowledge. That, Lord, she would completely surrender her life to you, Lord, and, and just invite you, Lord, into every single aspect of her life. And Father, we know that you have a desire for her and a special purpose for her. And, Lord, we know this is not the enemy that inspires a young person to do this. This is the hand of the Holy Spirit himself. And so, Lord, we agree together and we join our hearts together now in praying you would accept her life. And, Lord, may she walk now in newness of life all the days that she lives upon this earth. Keep her from the evil one, we pray. And Lord, give her that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that every young lady needs to have today. I commit her into your hands now in Jesus Christ's lovely name. Amen. Sophie, because of your desire to walk in obedience to the scripture, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's sing a little song together. I've been to the water. I've been baptized. Amen. Well, I've been to the water and I've been baptized. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Well, I've been changed from this creature that I once was and redeemed. Is now my name. Well, I've been changed. Well, I've been reborn now. All my life has been rearranged. And what a difference it makes when the Lord has His way. All my life has been changed. Though my sins were scarlet, they're white as snow. I was bound, but today I am free. Well, I was lost in the darkness, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Well, I've been changed. Well, I've been reborn now. All my life has been rearranged. And what a difference it makes. All my life, praise God, has been changed. When at last in His presence I stand alone, He will wipe every tear from my eye. Oh, and I'll thank Him for saving the rich like me beyond the sky. Will I be changed? I've been reborn now. All my life has been rearranged And what a difference it makes when the Lord has His way All my life, praise God, has been changed Oh, when at last in His presence I stand alone He will wipe every tear from this eye And I'll thank Him for giving a wretch like me a new home beyond the sky Oh, I've been changed Well, I've been reborn now All my life has been rearranged Oh, what a difference it makes When the Lord has His way All my 
this church, this glorious church. I didn't join, no, I was born out had your birth. Some glorious day, gonna sail away. It's by His grace. I'm in this church, I'm in this church, this glorious church. I didn't join, no, I was born out had your birth. I'm so thankful I've been set free today, friends. Hallelujah. My, what a glorious atmosphere. Amen. Just singing and praising, people getting baptized and coming to the kingdom. My, what a glorious, glorious time. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, this little song on my heart, just any day now, our Lord is coming. Just as we dismiss, and I'll let you be free to go as we sing this song together. Just take the Lord with you as you go and be a witness to others around you throughout the week. Let's sing this song. Just any day now, our Lord is coming. He'll be returning for you and me. Just in. 